you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So I, I brought with me uh, from my office today um, one of one of my most special possessions. Um, I, I got this. Um, you can you can tell maybe it's a it's a Bible. This is a a red. I love the color red. It's a King James Bible, uh, and it was printed. I'm guessing in like you know maybe like the 60s or 70s. But what's special to me about this Bible is when I started here at Bethel, uh, my my aunt. Um, sent it to me, and, and she packed it in a box, and she mailed it to me here, here in Ellsworth, um, and she wrote me a little letter, and she said, uh, Todd, this is your grandmother's Bible. Uh, my grandma Lila was her name, my dad's mom. Uh, you know, this was her Bible, and she said, and I was just, you know, just like tearing up in my office. I was reading my office, and she said, you know, she'd be so excited about what's happening in your life and that you're doing ministry, and I thought you should have her Bible, and I was like, well, whatever the reason is, I don't care. I'm so excited to have it, because my grandmother passed away when I was in middle school. Um, in fact, all of my my grandparents, um, my, my parents were the babies of their families, and they had kids late in life or later in life. So uh, my, all my grandparents have passed away before I graduated from high school. And, and Grandma Lila, most of my memories of her involve how amazingly clean her house always was. Like, seriously, amazing. Um, how uh, amazing she was at making quilts, and it was just beautiful handmade quilts she would make. Uh, and now I have, I have this. I never, uh, you know, as a grandkid, I knew her as a pretty nice grandma, but, but that, was, that was it. Um, didn't get to know her too well, so I was really excited uh, to open this book. Um, and it, you might not be able to see from here, but uh, it is like unbelievably stuffed full of stuff. Um, well, one of the things I really like about it, and I've not taken anything out, there are all kinds of things in here. There are little, um, uh, little tracts, little like how to read the Bible, uh, cards that somebody gave her at one time or another. Um, there are sympathy cards from people uh, after her husband, my grandpa Al, died. Um, in fact, there's the, the funeral card from, from his funeral is in this Bible, um, and I keep it uh, just where it was when I found it, and I imagine that's where she, she shoved it on, on that day. Um, and so it's, it's incredibly special to me because I get to hold this piece of my grandmother who's been gone for so long. And the, the other thing that I really like is, is she wrote all over this Bible. Um, she underlined a ton of things. She wrote little questions and notes in the margins. If you see, um, she like taped like newspaper articles that were encouraging to her. Um, you know, she wrote down, this is just like, ah, it's just in this perfect, beautiful cursive that I couldn't do if my life depended on it. Um, and, it and it's cool to have because you can see her writing change uh, as she had it. You know, before she passed away, her, her cursive wasn't so steady and, and perfect anymore. And you can see her shaky hand and you can see uh, the things that she felt the need to underline in this Bible. And it makes me feel closer. I can see that uh, even my grandma Lila, whose house was uh, immaculately perfectly clean and perfect all the time, even she had uh, doubt and, and worry and fear, you know, all the... Um, the stuff that she underlined, it communicates that she's somebody that 
that return to this for help. And, it, and it's so special to me to get to have it. And, and when I look at this and, and hold it, um, I, I just hope and I pray that someday, um, if I live to be as, as long as my grandmother did, that someday I'll still be writing in, in my Bible, that I'll still be coming back to Scripture for a, a foundation, for uh, a chance to encounter God uh, like she did. I hope that my story can be that story too. Um, you know, my, my grandmother and, and many of you sitting here, I, I talked to you, uh, um, uh, many of you sitting here already root your life in, in scripture. Uh, you encounter God through, through his word all the time. You have a, a practice of reading the Bible every day. And, and that's, that's awesome. That's great. I, I encourage you. Um, but it's not always easy to start. And I don't think that's the case for all of us. Because if I'm being honest, even as a pastor who literally has to read this every week, otherwise we'd be in trouble on Sunday mornings, I have a hard time uh, making time every day to read scripture. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. It's a hard habit to start. And so one of the things that we're doing here at Bethel as we get closer to Easter is uh, we're talking about the Bible itself. Um, we're talking about how we can uh, learn to read it a little bit better, how we can learn to connect uh, to God in Scripture a, a little bit better, um, what it is and why we should read it. And so as we get closer to Easter, we're going to talk about the story the Bible tells. We're going to talk about... Um, uh, the best ways to come to Scripture and add it into your life, what it means to, to meet God in this book. And so today, uh, we're, we're just kind of starting at the beginning. And, and the question is, you know, what is the Bible and why does it, does it matter? Um, and, and I don't know about you, but, but growing up, I had a, an idea about, oh, see, there it is, about what the Bible is. Um, and it was kind of like this. Um, and, and I don't think anybody told this to me or intentionally taught this to me, but, but I read the Bible growing up, and I think many of us read the Bible uh, like it's that. Like it's a magical book that God just kind of dropped from heaven, and it, it rested perfectly on our laps in, you know, whatever our preferred English translation is. Uh, and, and we were taught to read the Bible like that. I was taught to read the Bible like that. Um, a, a good bumper sticker line, and, and I don't mean to, um, to offend anyone or anything. There's some truth in this bumper sticker, but uh, a bumper sticker that captures that is, you know, you've probably seen it. Uh, God said it. I believe it. That, anybody? Settles it, right? And, and that's exactly um, this way of looking at the Bible. The idea that uh, God up in heaven sat down and wrote this book that's just full of ideas of how we're supposed to live our life and, and rules to, to follow God correctly and encouragement for tough times. He just sat down and wrote this book and he, and he plopped it in our lap and all we have to do is just open it up and read a line stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message and boom, right? We've got God's word in, in our hearts. And, and this actually works pretty well. Um, and there's a lot of truth to that, right? As Christians, we believe that God's uh, hands, his breath is all over scripture. And we believe that all of scripture is inspired uh, by God. And so there's a lot of truth to that, right? God is intimately involved in the creation of this book. That's what we believe as, as Christians. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. When we read the Bible like this, it, it works pretty well sometimes. Uh, it works really well uh, depending upon where you start. Uh, if, you read, if you read the Bible in this last little bit, uh, these are the letters uh, that Paul wrote to his churches. It works really well because a lot of the kind of writing in those letters is uh, direct address. It's, it's Paul writing to a person. And so you can open it up and it'll say, 
Second um, Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Right? We can take that. We can say, um, and if this wasn't in the King James, we could say. Um, we want to be uh, workers for God. The Bible says we should be workers for God, but right, the problem is when you open to a different spot, um, like say 1 Kings 17, now Elisha the Tishabite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there'll be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except at my word. That's interesting, and maybe you're wondering what's going on in that story, but it, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't apply directly to your life today. And what often happens um, in the church is Christians and, and others start to explore Scripture. Um, we open it up to a place that, um, that fits and we feel good. And we open it up to a place that doesn't quite immediately make sense. And, and what we think is, is this, right? You know, we're, we're looking for commands. We're looking for encouragement. We're we're looking for promises to trust, and we're looking for comforting words in this book. But, but if we open it at random, uh, oftentimes we'll find something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. Uh, something that uh, either doesn't make sense out of context or whatever. Maybe we'll read a story about a character who's supposed to be a good guy, we always thought, but then he does something terrible, and uh, they don't seem to get in trouble for it. And it, and it bothers us. It, it, it stops us from reading a little bit or... Or maybe somebody shows you uh, a passage of scripture uh, that says one thing and another passage that says something else. Um, one of my favorite um, examples of this is uh, in Isaiah, there's a line that says, you, should, you shall beat your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. Um, it's a biblical way of talking about an end of war, a ceasing of conflict. And so if you rip that verse out and, and write it on your wall, uh, and then you go to the book of Joel, another prophet who's writing to different people at a different time, he says, you shall beat your uh, pruning hooks into spears and your sword or your plowshares into swords. And so people hold those two up and they say, right, what? It contradicts itself um, uh, because they're reading it like this. Like it's a magic rule book from heaven that God placed in our lap that we can get information and truth out of. So you run into something like that as you're reading scripture. Maybe you start in Genesis and you get to Leviticus and you hit all these laws about what you can eat and what you can wear and what you should do with your fields and you think, this isn't for me. Um, maybe you hit a point that doesn't seem to try, be trying to tell you anything and this happens to me and you wonder, what is the point of reading this? Uh, you might even discover um, that large portions of scripture uh, is not rules to follow, uh, commands to obey, uh, promises for you, or even comforting words. And, and when this happens, and when it happened to me, I got really discouraged because I thought, you know, I thought this was supposed to be God's word for me. This was supposed to be God's promises to me. And, and here I am reading something that, that doesn't make sense. If this, is, if this is God's word, why is it so hard to understand if this is God's word for me, why can't I sit down and read it and do it? And God said it, that settles it, uh, the end, right? And for me, I started to think that maybe I just wasn't spiritual enough, uh, that I wasn't a good enough Christian to understand it because there were people around me that, you know, they could read a, a passage or a verse and it seemed like it always just connected and, and made sense to them. Um, and, and maybe that's sometimes how you feel too when you encounter the Bible. Or, or maybe we think that we're not educated enough. If we just knew a little bit more, we'd be able to understand uh, Scripture. You know, if God wrote this book for me, why doesn't it make sense to me all the time? Um, 
But, but the truth is that as much as you might uh, blame yourself or, or reject Scripture, uh, the problem isn't uh, Scripture, and, and it's actually not you. Um, the problem has to do with reading the Bible this way. Um, because when we act like the Bible fell out of heaven onto our laps in English, we ignore something that our, our Bible actually says over and over again, something that, that this book tries really hard to make clear to us. And, and that is this, that this book, uh, and this is what we believe as covenanters, as Christians, that this book is not just a book that God wrote that fell out of heaven, but it's actually the result of God working in and through human beings, just like you and me on earth. Um, that our Bible, that this book comes out of a, a partnership between God and faithful people trying to follow God. That it's both a book from heaven, amen, right? But it was written on earth and by people from earth. And, and while the Bible, it repeatedly claims to be God's word, right? Uh, if you read some of the passages this week in the beef leading up, you read about how the Bible is a lamp unto our feet, how uh, we can be sustained by the word of God, that it's life, that it's like a sword that cuts to our hearts. Um, the Bible is constantly talking about how we're supposed to read this, like God wrote it for us, that God's word is found in here. Um, but it also repeatedly, over and over again, makes mention of the flesh and blood people, just like you and me, who were involved in the writing and the collecting of this book, of this scripture. Um, who are involved in its spreading. It repeatedly references human authors in both the Old and the New Testament. And its books are clearly marked. If you spend any time reading the Bible at all, you'll notice that all the books have a, a different flavor, a different tone. If a different author wrote a different book, it sounds different. They're marked by the gifts of whoever wrote them and, and even uh, the problems and the concerns of whoever wrote them. It's it's full of prayers um, written by people that did something terrible or that were afraid of something terrible happening. It's full of stories and wisdom that, that have a, a, a godly tone to them, that come from God, that are God's words, but also have a uniquely human element, an undeniably human perspective. The Bible is God's word. It's holy. It's illuminating. It's helpful. It's sharp. It matters. But there is an undeniable human element to this book. And if we forget that human element, um, if we look at the Bible like it's that, we have a really hard time understanding it. Um, at least understanding uh, large portions of it. So, so this is how Paul kind of puts it. In, and this is actually supposed to be 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, he says this. He says, all scripture, he testifies to where scripture comes from. All scripture is God-breathed. Uh, all scripture, and he's referring to the Old and the New Testament, is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So, so it's breathed out by God. It's useful for us uh, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, and as this testifies to God's role in the Bible, it also signifies and suggests the, the human element, right? In other words, our Bible, uh, with all of its authors and all of its history and humanity, is God-breathed. Uh, God fills the pages of Scripture up with his voice. But it is not God-dictated. 
It's not like uh, God possessed a few people to write some words on a page. It's God-breathed. It's inspired by the work of God in the lives of people. And so the question is, does the Bible come from God or does it come from people? And, And the answer is yes. It's impossible to separate the two. Uh, Just like I can't separate your uh, mind from your body uh, without something terrible happening to you. Uh, The Bible can't be separated. And actually, people sometimes try. They try and and pull out, well, this is what God really said, and this is the human element, and they try and separate these two, and and what you wind up with is a a mess. Because our Bible, it it comes from both heaven and earth. It's the result of a God-human partnership. And a partnership that, if you read Scripture, God has desired to have with human beings since the very beginning. It's a little like what we believe about Jesus, that Jesus is both completely God and completely human. The two can't be separated, and you can't understand one without the other. So, So what... What is the Bible then? Well, it's uh, not just a book, but of course it's a, it's a library of books. If you look through, you see all these cool names at the top. Uh, these are examples of different scrolls, originally letters and books that were contained in this canon. Uh, and one of the most important things to remember when reading the Bible in light of the human element was that everything in here was written by a human being that lived and breathed. I shouldn't say that. Just about everything in here was written down by a human being who lived and breathed. There are examples of God giving visions and information to people that they wrote down in Scripture, but the vast majority of it isn't actually transmitted that way. Um, So everything in this book was written by somebody uh, and for a reason besides so that you and I could have it 3,000 years later. Um, and if you can remember that, it makes it way easier to understand the, question, uh, the, the scripture because you start asking the right questions. Uh, so for us to understand this God-human partnership, uh, this miracle, uh, we need to recognize that there's a, a human involved. And, and we call that, uh, in, in the church, we call that the context. We have to pay attention to what's going on around Scripture and behind and under Scripture. And in the Bible, um, one of the best ways that we get at the context is by paying attention to the author of that particular book. Um, the, our Bible, right, it's not just one book. It's a library of books. Um, how many, who knows how many books are in the Bible? This is like, come on. 66, yeah, it's confirmation, easy confirmation question. 66 books in the Bible, and uh, they were written by as many as 40 different people, uh, 40 different human beings that lived and breathed and ate and went to the bathroom and died, uh, just like you and me and just like all of us will someday. And those 40 people, uh, they include some of the least likely people you would pick to write a holy book. Um, uh, Moses, uh, if you've heard about Moses, he wrote large portions of the Old Testament. Uh, He was a murderer (laughs) uh, who was afraid of public speaking. (laughs) David was a king uh, who abused his power. He wrote portions of scriptures. His son Solomon uh, was abundantly blessed by God. He wrote portions of scripture, but Solomon also turned his back on God. Uh, it was written by uh, a bunch of prophets. A big section of the Old Testament is, is written by prophets. And these were special people that God called to deliver a message to his people in a specific time and a place. They wrote these big uh, documents trying to encourage people to turn back to God. And most of the time, uh, these prophets, no matter how hard they tried, uh, they failed to get anyone to listen to their warnings. 
Uh, it was written, uh, part of the New Testament was written by uh, Peter, a man who denied even knowing who Jesus was um, on the hardest day of Jesus' life. It was written by Paul, a large portion of the New Testament, the portion that we like to read. A lot of those letters, they're written by Paul. And Paul is somebody who the very first time he appears in Scripture, uh, he's standing by encouraging um, people to, to martyr somebody, to kill somebody who believes in Jesus. Uh, and, and to me, it, it's amazing. And it, it may be discouraging to hear that the people that wrote this book, that God used to write this book, aren't perfect. But to me, it's, it's good news. Because the Bible itself, um, based on who wrote it and why, is proof that our God uh, loves and wants to work in and through broken and sinful and failure-prone human beings just like me and maybe just like you too. Um, It's proof that this book, it, it was not written by perfect people, Uh, copying God's exact words like a faithful scribe. Instead, it's the product of a messy partnership inspired by the Holy Spirit who blows in and inspires and leads people like Paul to write down the very words of God. A partnership between frail and fickle people just like me and maybe just like you. And a steadfast, abundantly patient, abundantly loving God. And when we read the Bible, we actually participate in it in a very similar way to the people that wrote it. Um, uh, We believe as Christians that when we read the Bible, God's Holy Spirit works in and through us to help us understand Scripture. Uh, And reading the Bible, it's the same thing. It's a messy partnership between uh, the church gathered and the Holy Spirit at work in us. And so over the next few weeks here at Bethel, we're going to keep talking about how to read this uh, God-human, heaven-earth book a little bit better. How to read it as God calls us to read it, how to read it as, as Scripture encourages us to read it, and how to use it so that we can plant our lives on Christ. Not on a book, but on, on a person. So that we can see God's Word in these pages And by the whole power of the Holy Spirit, actually live it out together. That's what we're going to be talking about here at Bethel leading up to Easter. But here are a few ways that we can um, remember that there's a human element in Scripture, that that it's a a divine human partnership. Here's a few ways that we can uh, read the Bible a little bit differently to acknowledge that it didn't, right? It didn't just fall out of heaven into our laps, all perfectly translated. Um, The first step for those of you that, that struggle, some of you guys, this is just easy. You do this every single day. You read the Bible every morning, and that is awesome. Uh, But for some of us, the first step is to just plan to read. Uh, If you're new to reading scripture, set aside a part of your day every day to just read some scripture. Uh, That's the hardest thing to do is just to get started doing it uh, and and start in a good place. Um, If you're new to reading a lot of scripture, the Gospels are a great place. Uh, They're towards the middle, a book called Matthew. Look look it up. That's the first gospel. But um, just set aside a time, pick a book, and start reading it just a little bit every day, um, if that's not something you already do. Um, And then the the second point, and I think this is incredibly important, and it really helped me uh, learn how to read scripture more, is um, expect to be confused sometimes. 
so often, you know, we expect it just to make sense and be easy, and then when it doesn't, we just put it in the, in the drawer and say, well, I didn't get anything out of God's word today, but expect to be confused. And, and here's why, right? Because this book, it didn't fall out of heaven, it was written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, written by 40 different authors. Uh, this book was written originally in three different languages, uh, Greek, uh, Aramaic, and Hebrew. It was written on three continents, uh, Asia and Europe and Africa. Um, and it took 1,500 years, um, from uh, around 1,500 years from the beginning of writing down some of these books of the Bible to when it was finished uh, after Jesus came. Uh, 1,500 years it was written over. And each of those years were a real time and in a real place in history. And usually it was written with someone in mind. Uh, the Bible as we have it, uh, it was finished... Um, you know, scholars go back and forth, but the, what we have together and collected in the way we have was finished about 1,900 years ago. 1,900 years ago. Uh, and, and the only reason we have it is because it was checked and copied over and over again and preserved by thousands of trustworthy people. Thousands of people trying to be faithful to God. It's a testament to God's work and the power of the Holy Spirit that we have this book at all. It's, uh, I really do believe this, it's a miracle. This is the best uh, archaeologically attested ancient book uh, that we have on, on earth. It's a miracle that we have it. And if we're honest, it's a miracle that anything in this book that was finished 1,900 years ago, that took 1,500 years to write, that was written by 40 people in three languages on three continents, it's a miracle that we can open this book up and read something and have it make sense at all. My friends, that is a testament to the power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing else that you read or look at that is this old on a daily basis. And even things much newer make far less sense. So um, that's all to say, um, when you get confused, don't be surprised uh, because it's, it's confusing. Uh, don't be surprised when sometimes it's hard to understand, but, but don't give up. Uh, instead, um, start asking questions. Um, when you approach scripture, uh, the first question you should be asking is, it's what's the context? And, and that means, who wrote this? Who is it written to? Why does it matter? What's going on? Um, other questions to ask, what was happening when this was written? Um, how does it fit into the big story of the Bible? We're going to talk about that a lot uh, in a few weeks. Um, ask the question, you read something, why is this here? Um, and finally, what don't I understand? And, and as you write these questions down, you might think, you might not be able to answer some of them, and that's okay, um, but, but write them down to acknowledge what you don't know. Um, you probably won't be able to answer them all on your own, and, and there are a few tools that we can use to help us answer some of these context, context questions. Uh, and so, uh, number three, um, to read the, the Heaven and Earth book, use some good tools. Now, many of us have Bibles. I was reading, they're like, Every house in America has like five Bibles in it, so you probably have one. Uh, but, but if you don't, um, I'm going to introduce you to something, and I never uh, do this, but I seriously encourage you to give it a try. Those of you that have one of these, and I know that's not everybody, if you have one of these, there is a absolutely phenomenal Bible app. Um, really is just incredible. It's called the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, yeah, YouVersion Bible app, just like that. You look it up in your app store. I know, I'm sorry for the people without smartphones. You look it up in your app store, 
And contained in that, in that app is uh, hundreds of translations that you can access for free, uh, audio versions of a bunch of English translations of the Bible, uh, Bible reading plans to help you get started and to help explain some of this context stuff for you, uh, the, the version Bible app. Because with that, um, you can do one of the most important things of reading, this, reading scripture, especially for the first time, is to choose a translation that you can understand. Um, you might not know this, but there are actually hundreds of English translations. Uh, and some of you might already be reading out of a translation that you really like, and that's great. Uh, but if you're newer to Scripture or you have a hard time reading Scripture, um, two really great choices is the New International Version and the New Living Translation. Um, both are excellent translations. I encourage you to check them out. They're on the Bible app, and you can seriously, you can pull it up and listen to it in your car, on the way to work, or whatever, um, for free. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Another really awesome tool if you have access to a computer or a smartphone is this website, thebibleproject.com. Uh, this website is full of short, like, three-minute videos that just explain stuff in Scripture. Uh, look it up. They have a video for every book of the Bible. So if you, you know, you're reading Timothy or, or those of you that are reading through... Um, Joshua and Judges right now, you can find a video on Joshua and Judges, and it's like three minutes, and it explains all this context stuff. It says, hey, this is what people think was going on. Hey, this is the structure of the book. This is uh, the message that it's trying to communicate in just three minutes, and you watch one of those, and it really helps you understand what's going on in the book. Uh, so those are, those are a, few, a few tools, um, and they've really improved um, these days. So, so, so that's, that's that. Use, use good tools. And finally, and most importantly, is expect to encounter God. Um, we believe that this book is uh, the result of a lot of work, uh, but it's also the result of God's Holy Spirit at work in and through human beings. And he deeply desires to communicate with us through his scripture. And it's, it's not a magic book, but God is intimately involved in its production. And as Christians, we believe he's intimately involved when we read it uh, with an open heart to what he has to say to us. So expect to encounter God. As you're reading in the morning, you start this practice. Just, you know, a good question to ask yourself or to ask God is, God, what do you want me to hear from this today? And you write something down and, you know, you, you look at it later and you're like, oh, maybe that was wrong. That's okay. It's okay if, if you make a mistake. But ask God, what do you want me to hear? Uh, write it down. Keep it. Share it with somebody. <clears throat> because, right, the Bible is a result of a God-human partnership and it takes a God-human partnership to read it. And if we're going to understand this book well at all, um, we, we've got to hold this idea in our heads. Because it's written to and by and for, uh, written in actual places by actual people, but it's designed to transform our actual lives here today and now. And we carry this book, and, and if you read it in it, you'll notice that it captures truth about the human experience that um, most people can't deny. Uh, it carries trouble. It's way more realistic than you remember from Sunday school. We, we paved over all the stuff that made us uncomfortable. <laughs> you'll find that it makes you uncomfortable. It's the story of a parent who never gives up on their kid, of a king who blesses his subjects abundantly, and a creator who never abandons his creation. God wrote the Bible through messy, incomplete, and imperfect people just like you and me. He wrote it through people that have doubts uh, just like I do and just like my grandma Lila did sometimes, people that have fears and anxiety and worries, people that haven't figured this stuff out yet. 
And it's written for imperfect people with doubt and fear and hurt, people who make great sacrifices and people capable of great selfishness. And he wants to join with us in reading scripture together. And when we take that chance, when we join that partnership, we get a glimpse of how God worked in the lives of people that lived a long time ago and how he's still at work in ours. I promise you, the more you read this book, uh, the more you'll find your worries in it. Uh, You'll find your hopes in it. You'll find some of your fears in it. You'll find people that look a lot like your friends or your family members. Uh, You'll find problems that look like your problems. Sin that looks like your sin and joy that looks like your joy. Your story is in these pages. And the more you read this divine human book, the better you'll know the kind of God that sent his son to die for you. The more your heart will be transformed by the God who made you and who loves you just the way you are. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.